the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. All right. Good morning, everybody. If I make it through this entire broadcast, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't get any uh, great quotes today, so we'll just uh, we'll move from there. Anyway, I always refer to my webpage. So if you uh, Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. And uh, uh, on that page, there's a lot of uh, really, there's some good information. Uh, first of all, the market week. If You know, it's amazing how many people... Uh, listen to CNBC or whatever, and don't know what the market's been doing. I mean, we we just barely hit a new high, dating back to uh, the summer of last year, and uh, you know we've been going basically sideways to down for a year and a half. And most people who come into my office, I ask them, you know. Uh, what do you think the market's been doing the last year? Or tell me what you know uh, the market is doing and they don't know so the market week will keep you up to date uh up to date i'm sorry uh with the statistics uh things that have occurred that week you know major events that you probably should know uh also uh there's a daily technical analysis and you know and sometimes some of us are visual i'm a very visual person and uh when i see a chart i can tell you what's happening all right and uh I'm seeing uh, some charts that are really starting to excite me, and that's because they're small cap, and I'll talk about that in, in a while. But uh, good stuff on that page. By the way, there is some stuff on cybersecurity, and, uh, you know, there's some strategies for staying safe. That's what it's called, cybersecurity strategies for staying safe. And uh, I highly recommend you read that. Oh, boy, do I recommend you read that. And by the way, interest rates will fluctuate, is right above that, but they, we think they're going to remain lower for longer. And we said that last year when rates were at 3.2, 3.3 on the 10 year. And now they're two, two point. I mean, they were up almost a, a whole, uh, a hundred basis points on Friday and, uh, or yeah, almost a hundred basis points on Friday. And, uh, so almost a, a whole percentage point. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're at 2.08. <laughs> <laughs> so lower for longer, we think, is still in the in the cards. Now, we do have a new newsletter for July, and uh, it talks about declaring your financial independence and should you invest internationally. Uh, I have an answer to that, but I'm not going to tell you what, what it is. And uh, why, uh, why not to do it now? Uh, re- research on procrastination. You know, believe me, a lot of my clients procrastinate, and sometimes I do too. So there's a great piece called Rewriting Retirement. Boy, I can't tell you. I, uh, I, all you gotta do is hit the contact me or email me and I'll send it out. I think it's a great piece. We also have several research pieces that you can send away for. And, you know, all you have to do is hit contact me or email me. Number one is the healthcare conference. And, you know, I know I got something here because only two people have, have called in for it or emailed in for it. Uh, and I, I healthcare is starting to lead. Healthcare, medical tech devices, especially small cap. Those charts are starting to look really, really good. And there's a bunch of those names in here. So I highly recommend it. Also, our best ideas. I don't like the prime income list right at the moment simply because, you know, we kind of touted that last spring and it had a lot of real estate investment trusts on it and a lot of utilities. And they're pretty overbought right now. So I'd, woo, hold on. You know, you buy yield when it's up, not when it's down, folks. Um, Also, we have our best ideas, our dividend growth portfolio. Those stocks look okay. You know, buying large cap names that grow their portfolio, uh, their dividends six to eight percent a year will slowly but surely make you a millionaire. It's that simple. Uh, and then uh, our 
our foreign ideas, our ADRs, our American Depository Receipts. They're run by a guy named uh, Robinson, who's an Englishman, who really knows what he's doing. He knows all the companies, and uh, he's made some great calls. That has really outperformed in the last uh, quarter, and uh, that, that's a name that that's a group that I probably recommend right now. So anyway, uh, rewriting retirement is a really good thing. I uh, highly recommend it. So the Americans spend more than $1 billion on fireworks each year. And and that's about 99% of those are imported from where? China. <laughs> According to a recent study from Deloitte, uh, millennials' average net worth has fallen under $8,000, down 34% from the average net worth of Americans 18 to 35 in 1936. Uh, millennials spend about 17% of their incomes on education, health care, and rent, compared to 12% back then. And of the 74%, uh, U.S. retailers examined by S&P, 35 missed forecasts for comparable sales, sales last quarter. Obviously, retail's uh, been hit pretty hard, so uh, there we go. Now, uh, on Friday, uh, June the June jobs report came out, and um, it puts, you know, uh, it, it screws things up again, okay? Uh, the, the May, May uh, payrolls report, was weighed on the market sentiment and uh, or the May uh, one did for the last month and and, and too many. Uh, well, let's say the reason for the Fed signaling June that rate cuts would be forthcoming as soon as the July FMOC meeting was because of the May rates. Now, the June report, which showed a larger than forecast gain in payrolls, will help bring the most desired expectations for the U.S. economy back to the brink. But in our opinion, this doesn't doesn't take a uh, July cut off the map, although a lot of people are starting to argue that, that you know, maybe you shouldn't do it. But the key payroll stats was uh, uh, 224,000 versus a forecast of 160. So that was a big increase. Uh, the week May print of, of 75 was revised lower to 72. So the unemployment rate uh, increased slightly to 3.7%, but it's pretty low. So, uh, you know, the question is, will the Fed lower rates or not? And I, I you know, everybody says, uh, is a rate cut in it? And I would suggest maybe. Uh, you know, the way the bond market acted after May's pay- uh, payroll, uh, you know, I mean, we, we went down below 2%. We went to 1.97%. And, and that, that kind of acted like something was going to happen there. Now, with that movement, by the way, it Lower interest rates also supported the market. And then the Fed came out and said, hey, maybe we'll, we will raise rates or lower rates. And the market took off. So uh, it, it may be a give back period for the market, but who knows? But look, um, right now, uh, uh, you know, if I was a fixed income investor, I'd want to know where the value is on the curve. Where's the best place to put your money to work? And, and not all yield curves are created equal. So, um, our thoughts are this. Uh, yield curves across the fin- fixed income market have moved sharply lower in the recent months, and the economic data continues to, to disappoint. While the market is still pricing in three rate cuts from the Fed this year, the two key factors driving the decline uh, in yields, uh, we continue to recommend extending maturities to lock in yields and to reduce investment risk um, because if they do lower rates – it's the short term that's going to come down, not the long term. Okay, so the long term's already come down. Uh, so there we go. Uh, and uh, you know, in if the Treasury yield curve is to believe uh, believed, uh, it, it, you know, it's inverted from three months to ten years still. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that you know that continues. Also, the investment grade market. I think the decline in the Treasury yields and the tightening of the credit uh, spreads has has dragged investment grade yields lower so uh, you know it, it's going to be a tough tough call there too so you know it, it's hard uh, finding places to put money right at the moment that there you go you know uh so somebody asked me uh tim are you still bullish and i'm i'm still bullish i'm less maybe less bullish uh than i was a couple of weeks ago or whatever but i'm not giving up I, you know look there's reasons to be bullish uh, the fed policy the lack of inflationary pressure and the strength of the u.s consumer and, and i guess the reasons to be uh a, a cautious would be declining business sentiment, the trade standoff, and high debt levels. Uh, so, you know, I, I just think you got to equal these out. Now, the fact that the stock market hit a new high, and a couple other things happened this week that are very important. 
I'm going to talk about in a second, uh, is important. So, look, people are are starting to throw the housing stocks away, and I don't think that's a really good idea. Um, You know, the housing stocks are so cheap and interest rates are so low that if there is any consumer confidence picks up, I think people will be buying houses left and right. So, uh, you know, one of the things that bugs me a little bit is of the approximately $85 trillion in global stock market capitalization, the U.S. currently represents about 40% or over $32 trillion. This is um, significantly more than roughly 25% of the world GDP for which the USA uh, accounts for. And the majority of that is in large-cap stocks, by the way. So the U.S. share of the global market capitalization is more than twice that of its nearest competitor, and that's China. So that's another thing you got to be worried about. But the question is, will will the U.S. remain uh, dominant in the future? And, and the U.S. has uh, one very strong advantage, and that's innovation, so we'll see. Now, they are, you know, they did, uh, the European Commission did pull a fast one on the fangs, and what they're talking about is uh, taxing them on where the revenue is produced, which is interesting. You know, I looked at the broad economic group performance, and it's amazing. Uh, the industrial sector and technology were hand-in-hand. Hand. They were both 23.6% gain for the year. And, I, you know, I said last week that the financials had been a little bit of a disappointment. The financial index was the, was was third uh, at 16.3, and, and the uh, S&P 500 index was up 17.5%. Uh, so, uh, by the way, the S&P and the equal-weighted index uh, – equaled each other, which is very interesting. Now, with Friday's action, um, the bullish percent for the over-the-counter index, so the small caps, turned into a column of X's at 42%, which is good field position. And that's I think, is very important because you can't have a bull market without the foot soldiers. And, and now the foot soldiers are starting to uh, you know, start to participate. The other thing I noticed is uh, I was looking at Doppler relative strength, is what we call it, at, at Dorsey Wright. Uh, who's, you know, provides us with a bullish percent, great group of guys down there in Virginia. And I looked at all the sectors, and there's one that just sticks out like a sore thumb, and it's in the lower fourth quadrant, which means, uh, not, you know, it hasn't been doing well and is, is on its own, and that's the XLE, or the oil sector. Like I said last week, it's below 5% of the S&P 500 weighting. You know, the top 10 performers in the S&P 500 are a weird group this, this uh, quarter. Cotty, Xerox, Chipotle, Advanced Micro Devices, Anadarko, because that's a takeover, Cadence Design, Hess, MSCI, Total Systems, and Densply Serona Supply. So uh, uh, I, th- I thought that was very interesting. And of the bottom uh, 10, there was one, two, three, four. Five retailers. So there we go. Uh, and the other thing I noticed is that uh, technology, uh, you know, industrials creeped up uh, quite a bit and are right behind utilities. And utilities actually lost some little strength here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, it's the Smart Investor Show. And once again, you know, if you um, missed part of the show or you missed the show last week and you'd like to hear the whole thing, go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes. And by the way, it goes directly to my webpage. So if you want the healthcare conference information or you want the best ideas or the dividend growth portfolio or you want to sign up for a newsletter, that's how to do it. Okay. Um, but uh, anyway, you go to the local podcast, you go to any date you want. And, you know, if you want to check back and say, did Tim, you know, Tim said this, did he, did he really say it? Go back and check. Be my guest. Uh, I, I think you'll find it's true. Anyway, uh, you know, I was just talking that the industrial sector picked up. And within the industrial sector, there is a subsector that is really starting to, you know, had been down and out and is really starting to pick up. And that is the defense group. You know, we just had Raytheon and United Technology talk about mergers, and but I'm I'm starting to see more and more names here starting to pick up. So, uh, might be an area I might want to take a look at. I have my list of names, uh, one very small cap idea, but I own a lot of it already. So I I'm not going to tell everybody about it. Uh, 
Now, the financial banks have been kind of stuck in a rut. Uh, the financials, especially fintech, has been doing great. So it'll be interesting to see. I looked at utilities, and utilities, I look. it looks like financials are starting to turn up, and utilities are starting to turn down. As I said, utilities relative to performance has been turning down. So there might be a flip-flop here. So if interest rates turn up as they did Friday, uh, you know, you may see uh, the banks start to do well because they do better if the spread's bigger, okay? So uh, I, I wanted to give a little bit of economic uh, information, and, and I thought I'd, I'd check with two key uh, economists or uh, market strategists who I, I really think highly of, and one is Tom Lee at Fundstrat, and he thinks um, that cyclicals are uh, still the most attractive group given the expected upturn in the, uh, the supply management uh Institute for Supply Management Information. So that should be, he said, stick with the granny shots, and uh, and I'll leave that up to your imagination. But he's more optimistic on earnings than most people. Uh, you know, he he back in May third, he raised the target, uh, the year in target at twenty nine twenty five uh, to thirty one twenty five. Uh, the S and P was like at twenty nine seventeen at that point, but with the equity markets now at uh, twenty nine ninety six, uh, it looks like an inappropriate action. So. He says the uh, earnings per share recession was discounted by the S&P 500 fall in 2018 and with the 19% fall in 60 days, by the way. So the, the two key factors at the start of the year argued for P.E. expansion, double-digit growth gains. And, and uh, at the start of the year, you know, they were uh, looking for, uh, well, I, I think, you know, First of all, the stock started to rally, and, and then also uh, they had a, a very negative high-yield year, which was uh, two things that usually, you know, uh, once they're finished going down, start to turn up. And so he, he uh, you know, cyclicals led the first uh, half of 19, which is interesting because they, they tied uh, technology. So what could go wrong? Well, it's still a micro market. You know, things can go wrong everywhere. Now, Lori Calcivina, who's our head strategist, I she said that, uh, on her new piece this week, I, I thought there was several things that you know she she pointed out. So I'm just going to go over them fairly quickly. She said the G20 wasn't a game changer, which is pretty obvious. And uh, it, you know she said uh, she argued that the equity market is likely to continue zigzagging through the year end, and the risk in the stock market is in the short term is to the downside. Now she also suggests if we are wrong about the next big move in the market being lower, then we think the risk in the market will simply be pushed into quarter four. Uh, so she's she's still fairly bearish, and what she's bearish on really is the Fang stocks. So, you know, uh, or most of them anyway. Um, now, a couple things she said. First of all, that the U.S. equities are highly crowded in the futures market, and especially worrisome is the S and P five hundred. So. It's the big names that she's worried about. She's also said that the position in the NASDAQ futures is also problematic. So, uh, you know, look, if you look at the asset manager's uh, notational net positions for Dow futures, they're up there. You know, they're up there. Now, what she also said, and this is where I'm very interested, is the small caps continue to carry a less crowding risk. Uh, So, you know, there's, there's nobody in small caps, and, and everybody wants to be in XLG and the NDX and all that stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, look, the market doesn't make it easy for you. So if everybody's pushing that way, uh, well, Chris from uh, Marshfield said, if you really want to beat the market, you want to stay as far from the maddening crowd as you can. And nobody, and I'm saying nobody, is in small caps. It's the least amount of money. And look, if the Fed is really going to ease, or if they just quit taking money out every month, uh, you know, we could see a massive move because they're taking the extra dollar out, okay? The extra dollar goes to the small cap stocks, right? Okay, so, you you know, you position your portfolio, you take a million bucks, you take $900,000 and you put it into high quality names, you put the other 100000 into some names that you think could make a home run. All right. Uh, if you don't have that extra dollar or you're worried about it, then you don't do it. And that's what the Fed's, you know, doing. So, so, uh, 
look, the stocks that are most sensitive to the China war rebounded very sharply in the in the you know ahead of the G twenty, but the stocks most at risk from the China war are still highly in favor, and they those stocks at most risk from the China war no longer are undervalued on a PE ratio. Okay, and what's interesting is their earnings per share revisions have slumped for the stock markets for the stocks most at risk for the China trade war. So here they are. The earnings are coming down. Everybody's right back into them. Uh, you know, that doesn't make sense. And uh, they're not cheap anymore. So uh, I think it'll get really uh, fairly interesting there. Now, one of the things I noticed, and, and this is just me being a technician, okay, uh, the S&P 500 completed, completed a, a small bullish cup and handle formation earlier this week. Uh, now, that with the bullish percent turning up, as we said last week, uh, is a very positive thing. So um, it, it, it's, it's kind of a, an extension of a pattern, uh, which measures to about 3,300 on the S&P 500. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that continues. Okay. Now, what I did notice this last week is the defensive sectors fell behind while technology, cyclicals, and industrials started to take the lead again. So people are counting on this uh, 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 interest rate cut, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, to, to get the market going. And I'm not so sure after the numbers, you know, Friday, that was a big unemployment number. I mean, it was very positive. So... It'll be interesting. Uh, I did notice a couple other things, and, and uh, you know, look, uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking at uh, what we call, uh, I want to jump out on breakout zones, okay? And uh, breakouts are bullish and often look great, uh, but they do not always offer the best re- uh, risk-reward ratio. So what you have to be looking at is where, you know, what type of breakout it is, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, uh, look, if I look at the XBI, which is the biotech chart, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to be a nice breakout. And, uh, you know, the socks looks the same way, but there's some interesting stuff going on there, too. So I think you have to, you know, be careful where you're you're getting involved in your breakouts and 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 make sure that, uh, you know, you don't do anything dumb. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you just uh, do Watch, watch the breakouts to make sure they're, they break out and pull back so there's less risk involved, okay? Um, I, you know, I was looking at, at a couple of portfolios, and it's been a rough year and a half because there's been a lot of stocks that just gap down. You know, they, they, tr- they close at 50, they open at 40 uh, or 32 or whatever it may be, you know? And it, so you got to be uh, kind of careful and I think what you want to be looking at is uh, stocks that are breaking out, but I think you want to be, you know, in the right stocks and make sure that you don't have too much money chasing the le- the former leaders because I do think there's rotation going on here, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but uh, I do see some new names emerging out of long, long, long-term bo- uh, bases, and I'm talking 8, 10, 15 years. And those are the names, and they're breaking out with high volume that I think you want to own, and I'll just leave it at that, okay? So uh, I'm seeing more and more of that. And uh, I've got names. Uh, you have to call me for them. Uh, I may not even give them to you. <laughs> That's for my clients first. And if my clients are all invested, I probably won't do anything. But I do think, uh, you know, small cap uh, is the cheapest and maybe the most interesting. And, and remember, I, I – I, look – the cyclical backdrop, I talk about this four-year cycle, and, and you know, uh, um, our, our friend Bob Schleimer at Fundstrat, you know, he's really big on the four-year cycles. And, you know, we remain bullish through year-end, and then I think we're going to have a big year in 2020. That's my opinion. And, you know, a couple things I did want to repeat on is, number one, the dollar did break down in this short-term uptrend. Uh, it's got quite a bit of support at 96, so if we were to break hard down through there, then we might have, you know, a, a pullback to the 94, 91 area would be the, 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 the worst case scenario. As soon as it broke, though, the dollar, I mean, uh, oil bottomed and uh, made a double bottom right around the, the 51, uh, 60 area, which was a 61.8% retracement or a Fibonacci number. 
of the move up. So uh, it's kind of interesting. And then I looked at utilities again. And I said, huh, you know, I look at the weekly utilities. It's at the top of the trend line. The relative performance versus the S&P 500 is, is actually making a lower high. So, uh, you know, somebody doesn't believe the, the move in utilities. That's what I'm trying to say. Medical devices. Uh, I looked at large cap and small cap. Boy, that looks like a great group. Um, you know, they, they really haven't done anything uh, for several years, and uh, now they're starting to pick up. Software um, is below its uptrend line, and the weekly momentum is turned down. So it'll be interesting. Uh, its relative performance versus the rest of the technology sector has started to turn down a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to lead, because that's been a big leadership. And semiconductors uh, look like they, you know, they were the first to sell off, so they might be bottoming at this point. The industrial sector looks great on both a weekly and a monthly chart. And then gold, you know, I, I said last week you want to wait for it to pull back. I said I we thought we were going to break it out. You know, we, we talked about it two weeks ago. We actually sent a chart out to, if you're on my list, if you want to get on my list, go ahead and hit contact me on the webpage. Now it's going to settle for a while. When it settles, jump back in then. Ah, this is the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Okay, yeah, we're back. This is Smart Investor Show, and this is where we talk about uh, the bullish percent. And it's just simply a technical indicator that was designed by some uh, protégés of Charles Dow to make you bullish when everybody else is bearish. And when everybody else is bearish... Or, or bullish, <laughs> you want to be bearish. I'm sorry. I've had a bad cold all week, and it's uh, it's uh, frying my brain. <laughs> anyway, so this is a chart that goes from 0 to 100. And all they're doing is looking at the number of point-and-figure charts. And they look at a lot of them, like four or 5,000 of them, uh, that are on buy signals versus sell signals. And what you find is, as more buy signals take into place, the bullish percent goes up. And when they start to sell off, they sell off in tandem, and then it's look out below. It's, uh, you know, distribution occurs. Now, what's there's some other parts to this, like what is the best asset class? And right now, it's domestic equities, okay? So you want to stay in the market uh, more, and I've been learning that as I go along. Uh, instead of going 100% out of the market, you know, you maybe want to go 50% out of the market when we go into a column of O's. This week, though, uh, you know, we're in a column of X's again, like last week, and this just goes from zero to 100. Over 70 is the red zone. That's when everything gets hot and, you know, everybody's talking about the market. And, uh, you know, at the cookout, I, you know, uh, everybody's asking me, you know, hey, what stock do you like and all that good stuff. And, uh, and then we get below 30 is when I'm not invited to the cookout. <laughs> all right. And, uh, no, nobody wants to talk about stocks. That's when everybody's crying in their beer. So, we turned up last week, uh, you know, at, at 48, like uh, 46, I mean, and now we're 51 already. So we're at that, you know, we're at the sweet spot. We're up 2.5. But the real news this week was that the bullish uh, percent for the over-the-counter index, the small caps, broke over 42 to 42.1. So it is now in a column of X's. The world index is still uh, in a column of O's and won't turn up until it hits 44. It's at 41 right now. So uh, the bullish percent for all, which is important, reversed up this week. The New York Stock Exchange bullish percent reversed up last week. And now the -the over-the-counter index uh, uh, turned back up. Now, the all index and the -the over-the-counter means that it's spreading out. 
okay? The leadership spreading out. That's important. Especially, you know, look, if Europe comes through with this taxing, taxing Google and, and f- Facebook on the revenue that occurs in their particular country, uh, these guys' balance sheets aren't going to look as good as they do now. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. So, anyway, it's good to spread out, all right, so you can spread out a little bit, too. Uh, and all the 10-week indicators moved higher, so that, I'll just leave it at that. So, all the stuff we look for. Um, <clears throat> but they're, they're, uh, the dynamic asset level investing, um, you know, shows that de- domestic equities are number one. Foreign equities are number two, but they're still in a column of O's yet. So you might want to be, you know, that's when you want to get the ADR list so you can pick some stocks. So if it, when they turn up, you know what to own. Um, and, and, you know, look, I was looking at all sorts of, uh, uh, you know, different uh, charts and everything like that. Uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of charts out there that we can look through and, and see what's leading who and who's leading what. But the areas that are the cheapest are foreign stocks and over-the-counter stocks. And foreign stocks are not yet favored. So over-the-counter stocks is, is where you want to probably be looked. That's the, where the stocks are the cheapest. And I think there's too many people that own the large stocks. So if there is a shift in leadership, that's where you don't want to be. Okay? Uh, now, maybe there for a while, uh, and you know they may hold up for a while, and they may not go down. How about that? They may not go down. People may just hold them. But the the leadership will change, and I I just you know I don't know if it's going to value, which may be small cap, may go to international, but the dollar starting to uh, sell off a little bit. I'm not showing any real signs of strength here. Uh, is is a good sign for value and a good sign for international stocks, and usually a pretty good sign for small cap stocks. But I looked at the weekly momentum of all the indexes; they all look good. The only uh, group that was not uh, positive for three weeks with small caps. Uh, they just went positive. So uh, that's good. Um, so we are seeing a bit of a, a move uh, north. And, you know, I was looking at uh, which ETFs were the best uh, for the quarter. And most of them were momentum. The PDP, MTUM, the IWM, that's the uh, mid, uh, the Russell mid-cap growth. It's mostly uh, uh those software stocks that I talked about last November and the uh, first cut trust large cap growth opportunities alpha deck. So those are the ones that have been doing the best. And unfortunately they've been doing the best for a long, long time. So it's be interesting, but momentum based strategies made up uh, the top two funds of domestic equity broad list. So that that's kind of interesting and large cap growth stock uh, strategies dominated the top performers uh, list in the first quarter. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see if there's any flip there, we haven't seen it yet, but you know, value keeps getting cheaper, growth keeps getting more expensive. It'll be interesting to see. Now, we did um, we did make a big move. We were up two point three three percent on the bullish percent for all the groups. Remember, we look at the groups and we just look at favored sectors, and we went from whopping four to five on the favored sectors. Remember, there's forty in here, okay? And back in uh, January of 2018, we had 28 groups that were favored, 29 groups, I think it was. And now we're down to five. We were just down to four. So electric utilities are at 85. I just can't see buying anything up there. I would wait. Uh, waste management's at 65. Uh, that's not a bad place to look. Uh, you know, wait for them to pull back to you. Aerospace is at uh, 55, not a bad place to buy. Protection services as are at 50. And, and tell, uh, telecom is at 34. And then we have four or five groups that are below 30. That's drugs, retail, oil, steel, and oil service. So they are not favored now. They are not favored. What you want to wait for is for them to turn back up. Okay. So the five favorite sectors are electric utilities, fairly overbought at 80, 80, 84, actually. Waste management at 64, aerospace at 54. Protection services at 50 and telecom at 34. All right. So now we do have several groups that are in bull confirmed status, but unfavored, which is a strange, you know, it's a strange market. Uh, and those are biogenetics, computers, drugs, uh, forest and paper products, healthcare, household goods, precious metals, bull confirmed, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> software, 
textiles, and transports. So uh, something like drugs, which is at 30, and, you know, actually a little bit, well, yeah, it's 30. If it were to break below 30 and then come back up, that'd be very positive, okay? So we've, these are bull confirmed, but they're not favored. So it's it's a strange, uh, strange group there. Um, now, the other thing we noticed is that aerospace went to uh, most favored, and precious metals and forest and paper products went to average. So I, you know, forest paper products are at that point where you're wondering, um, uh, you know, what's going to happen with them. Uh, they they are, you know, not unfavored. Uh, they are average. So uh, we'll see, you know, just how well this call on gold goes, and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, we did notice that, you know, some weird things have been leading the way internationally, like the Greek ETFs and the Russian ETFs and Brazilian ETFs, Thailand. Uh, I noticed, you know, a currency hedge Germany uh, portfolio uh, was up there. Uh, Switzerland, um, international dividend appreciation uh, uh, ETF. So it, it was a very strange, you know, group. And, and then some of the names that were down the most were like uh, Japan uh, hedged equity and, uh, some of the ETS for China and in, in machinery area. And, uh, you know, so it, it was very interesting that, uh, you know, you had some strange bedfellows in the foreign markets. Now on the commodity area, uh, we did notice that, uh, crude oil turned positive this week after being negative for 18 weeks and gold, uh, continues to be strong plus the, uh, seven weeks of positive uh, momentum, and, and same with copper at two weeks. Uh, so it, it turned two. Uh, and corn finally gave it up after nine straight weeks of being positive. So, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. This year, coffee, palladium, coca, cocaea, and gold, and wheat and corn were the top five gainers in the uh, ETF area for uh, our friends in the uh, commodity area. So, you know, what's also interesting right now is uh, at 100% overbought are all bonds and gold. They usually don't mix. <laughs> Something, something's going to give there, I guarantee you that. Um, and if we look at relative strength buys, uh, this week, Emmis Communications, you know, there was news on that this week, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, Esco Technology, Assure Software, CarMax, uh, Progenics Pharmaceutical, Avid Biosciences, Watson Industrials, Farmland Partners, GMS, and uh, Arconic, which is, you know, the spinoff, uh, now the pairing company of Alcoa back then. Uh, they and Alcoa split. Now, look, relative strength's important. Whenever you, you know, what we're trying to do here, or what we're trying to do is teach you that the technicals and the fundamentals can be married for, be- for better performance. And, uh, y- you know, what we have here is the, you know, these are technical updates. So when relative strength goes positive, it's something you want to pay very close attention to simply because sometimes it can last for years. I mean, Danaher has been on a relative strength buy signal now for like 19 years. Okay. It's been a home run too during that period of time. On the sell side, now this is where you want to check your fundamentals, uh, is Hydric and Struggles, which is industrial goods, uh, Blumen Brands, Tenant Healthcare, Bramer Hotels and Resorts, and Rocket Pharmaceuticals. Okay. So, um, those are names we, you know, you want to start, you know, checking your, your homework a little bit, make sure that you're, uh, uh, not doing anything crazy or anything like that. I did notice that the dollar, uh, this last week is very close to breaking a double bottom. Um, and, uh, on a short term basis. Now, this is not the long term chart. This is a shorter term chart. So it'll be interesting to see if that occurs. Uh, now, if that's the case and you're in fixed income, look, this year zero coupons have won the game, okay, uh, and the extended duration treasuries have won. So it's been long-term bonds that have won, and they've been domestic. But if the dollar starts to creep down and you're in the fixed income area, then you want to look more at the international side, okay? So uh, the dollar would have to break 95, I think, or 95 and a half. Uh, for me to get uh, real aggressive in that area, but it's something to consider. Hey, we're going to be right back with uh, some insiders. Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Monday, Monday, Monday. Must be fun. 
Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And uh, this is where we talk about insiders. And everybody says, Tim, why do you talk about insiders? Well, they tend to know their companies pretty well. Um, and they, they tend to be better than analysts. <laughs> They're early, though. Okay? And I only look at the ones where there's either a large number of insiders buying. Uh, we have one of those today. And, and or where they're buying large quantities, okay? And uh, I, gotta, I've, I have to admit, this last year and a half, uh, the insiders have been wrong in some cases. I mean, Warren Buffett tripped up twice. He, he bought uh, Teva uh, at 20 and a half, 21 area, and then he bought some more at 18, and the stock's now 9, 7, ace, okay? Uh, and he, he bought Kraft Heinz, and he's down about 18... 18 bucks. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's, he's been wrong. The, uh, Nelson Peltz, one of the great activists and managers of our time, bought GE in the twenties, late middle twenties. He just sold out at nine. All right. So this, this is a guy that bought his, you know, bought Mondelez for a 300% return. Wendy's for a 500% return. Uh, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. So it doesn't warn. Um, they've been wrong. By the way, GE's insiders, but, Four million shares at twenty three twenty five area. They bought another eight million shares between fifteen and eighteen. They bought another four million shares between twelve and fifteen. The stock's nine and a half, ten. Okay, so uh, you got to be careful, and 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 uh, you know. But for the most part, they're early. Now, sometimes the market screws them up. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the oil people uh, were buying in, in August and September of last year. And then the Federal Reserve screwed them up pretty bad because they didn't, they didn't think there was a chance and you know what, that they, the Fed would uh, raise rates. Uh, what a surprise. Uh, now, Opco, uh, you know, we've been talking about Dr. Frost, uh, Dr. Robert Frost, who, who, um, is buying stock every day pretty much. And he bought another $50,000 this week. And I noticed Jane Hasio, who owns a, a boatload of stock. She's the vice chairman and she's the chief, uh, medical officer or chief science officer, I should say. She bought 350,000 shares on June 30th, and then two other directors bought 250,000 uh, shares each. So that's the tune of uh, 850,000 shares at $2 and some change. Uh, it's about $1.6 million. Uh, so, the, by the way, that's the third or fourth major buy where a bunch of people bought together. So something's happening, and I don't know what it is. Now, here's an eerily inter- interesting one, is the uh, CIO and uh, finance guy, for rig, uh, Transocean bought six hundred seventy-five thousand shares. Now that's not much, okay? But look, back in September, insiders bought five point seven nine million shares at eleven and a quarter. Then in September, they bought another one point two nine million shares at eleven. The stock is now six, and maybe we have some more insiders starting to buy again. Okay, so. Uh, you know, the first time they're wrong, maybe the second time they're going to be right this time around. And I think there, you know, there's an oil company that got, uh, you know, a two by four in the back of the head uh, by the Fed in, in September, which, which a lot of people did, by the way, the market acted, by the way. Um, Carnival, last week we had uh, several people buy uh, into the stock. This week we have uh, a director, Randall Weisenberg. He bought $930,000 worth of both Carnival Cruise Lines and Carnival PLC, uh, the parent company. So it, that's interesting. And then uh, Dennis Alexander uh, bought another chunk of Medco, the, the medicines company. Uh, he bought $1.6 million this week. Uh, that's his third major purchase in, in like three weeks. Uh, I noticed the stock's starting to break out, too. And then this week there was some bad news uh, if you're an AbbVie holder. And AbbVie has a really nice dividend. And they bought Allergan. Uh, so they bailed some people out. Um, everybody thought they were going to buy a company called uh, 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 Seattle Genetics. And so they kind of surprised people. Uh, but with that, the, the executive vice president of finance bought $2 million worth. Those are the type of guys you want to see buy. Simple as that. Those are the type of guys. The finance, the CFO, those guys, they start buying. The CEO starts buying. Pay close attention. And another director bought $726,000 worth. So what's also interesting here is it's the first buy in AbbVie in a pretty long time. All right. Uh, now, there's also a, a little company called Corvus Pharmaceuticals. And 
Now, the stock made a big move, okay? It was a uh, $3.5 stock. It went to almost to 7 um, And Orbamed Advisors bought $2.1 million, Then they bought 230000 They bought another 109000 And then a director bought the same amount three times. So, uh, obviously, there was some good news there. I would uh, obviously wait on that a little bit. Um, and then Arkwell, uh, which is a name that uh, we've been very positive on for some time, uh, is go- it's gone from 3 to 12, though, okay? So you don't want to be chasing it, but the director did buy $2.99 million at 11 and some change. Uh, they did a secondary, so that might he might have bought on the secondary. I don't know. Um, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, they're – Paying up. I mean, the stock's going from three to eleven and a half, and they're buying it up. So, uh, something to pay attention to. All right. And then there's a company called Conifer Holdings. This is a little four dollar stock, and a director bought two point one four million. Uh, then another uh, director bought two uh, two hundred forty nine thousand. Then another director bought one hundred sixty two thousand. Then another director bought one hundred six thousand. So it's the it comes out to be about two point seven million. Um, so something must be going on there. They're in the property and casualty insurance area, so we'll see. And another, this is an interesting one. Glaxo PLC keeps buying Glaxo PLC. They've bought $5 million worth now. Uh, one, two, three, four of the last, uh, eight weeks, uh, they've bought 4.9 million. And then, uh, Avario Capital, which is a, you know, smart money from what I understand, uh, bought Immumedics, uh, they started out about five point three million. A couple days later, they bought four point seven eight eight million. Then they bought three point four six zero million. Now, I also believe that Seattle Genetics owns a, a, a chunk of this too. Still, um, so that's an interesting one. I M M U is the symbol. All right, now let's uh, you know give you a couple ideas. Let me think what I'm I'm talking about. Well, first of all, the trend on oil. Let's talk about that a little bit. Is is winding into a tighter trading range that could remain in a 50-65 area for, for several months. The volatility has been relatively high for oil over the last uh, few years. But more recently, the volatility is, has been confined to a tightening range that may mean in a more stable, uh, uh, could mean, I should say, could mean a more stable environment may lie ahead. And I think the short-term range is between 50 and 65, while the longer-term range is between 42 and 65. But the short-term range could tighten even more through the rest of the years. The chart pattern suggests a flatter period may be developing. And, you know, a flatter period would be positive. Because, you know, if our analysts are too believed, and they're pretty smart people, I think, uh, they're talking about oil companies moving towards a cash flow model. That's very, very important. So no longer is it how much oil do we have in the ground or anything, or you know, whatever. It's cash flow. We want cash flow. If that's the case, uh, oil companies, they'll rearrange their valuations up, in my opinion. Now, look, uh, the market movement continues to be volatile and it's confusing on a daily basis. And there's, there's a large amount of concerning news on all fronts and it's, it's dominating the rhetoric out there and, you know, making it hard to see the big picture. Uh, in the big picture, in my opinion, is we're in a bull market. Okay, it's that simple. We started one, and and you know, look, I'm the guy that on the the in March of 2009, I said we're hitting a generational low. I said it on this show. I said it in where I'm sitting right now on a Saturday morning, and nobody believed me. My clients wouldn't even answer the phone. <laughs> All right. So the point is, we're still in this uptrend. The problem is, we make a big move, and then we go sideways for about two, three years, and those sideways patterns have lookout belows in them. Okay? You know, there's a 5% dip here. There's a 10% dip here. There's an 18 19% dip like there was last fall. And everybody says, oh, it's, we're, you know, we got the longest expansion ever. Hey, we've had five of those since 2009. Okay? We had one in 2010. I mean, 2011, uh, 2010, 2011. Uh, we had one in... Uh, uh, 2015, I think we had a 15, two 15 percenters, you know, so a 19.8% says, Hey, we're pretty close, you know? Uh, and, and I think that, uh, the point is though, uh, we're still in this bull market and, uh, 
you know, the, the key is, is that we, we have two tops here. We've pulled back a little bit from the top. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it continues. Um, not sure of it, you know, uh, but we do need to have the transports pick up, as I said uh, last week. The transports are lagging. They're about 10% behind the industrials. The small caps are 12% behind the industrials. You don't want a walk. Uh, the healthcare conference notes, uh, you're nuts if you don't get them as far as I'm concerned. Uh, all I got to go do is Bing or Google Tim Hayes Radio, hit the contact me, email me at my webpage, or go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Tim Hayes. My Go right to my, uh, my webpage there. Get our best ideas, our dividend growth portfolio. It's all there for you. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Happy 4th of July. God bless America. And buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.